0: You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. Ness is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, we've got a really great show lined up for you today. Today I'm interviewing Ian Wong, who's co-founder and CTO of a company you've probably heard of previously called Opendoor. Opendoor, most widely known for being an iBuyer, but did you know they also have a power buyer side of their business? Open Door is doing far more than just buying homes, fixing and flipping. That's, I think that's really the biggest takeaway I took away from uh, this interview. And Ian shares a lot about what's happening behind the scenes, you know, and even some of the stuff they're working on labs with some new products that they're testing, you know, thanks to a special segment that we released this time around called Questions from the Audience, where those of you who listen and are on Twitter, submitted your questions prior to. And so we asked Ian a whole bunch of stuff. Listen in, let's go. Well, hey Ian, welcome to the show. Hey Nate, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to have you here. I really appreciate your time. I know I was just sharing a little bit about how for me, this feels like a bit of a full circle and and we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, So as we always do on this show, we'll start off with the basics. So please go ahead, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure,
1: so uh, my name is Ian Wong. Uh, I am one of the co-founders of of Open Door and I serve as the CTO, the Chief Technology Officer uh, for the company.
0: All right, and you know I've said this on the show before, but Open Door is one of the companies that inspired me personally to get into prop tech to pursue a career in a path here. And even the very first Tech Nest episode was recorded with Open Door being the topic of discussion. So this is exciting for me to to ha- uh, to be able to have this discussion today, uh, and uh, I appreciate you uh, being here. So let's jump right to it, though. So I think at this stage. You know, a lot of people, anyone who's listened to anything in PropTech, they've heard the term iBuyer. iBuyer has now reached the masses, I think, is in of itself an accomplishment to have basically take a, a term and get it to the masses. So I think maybe we'll, we'll skip a little bit around just not just like, you know, what is an iBuyer and how does it work? I'd love to hear from, in your words, though, uh, Opendoor, what is the problem, or, you know, if there's a few problems that you believe Opendoor is fundamentally solving for? Yeah. And
1: it's funny because, you know, there's all this attention around the term iBuying, but really that's not the vision of the company. Uh, The vision of the company is to address a very real consumer pain point um, and doing it in a seamless way so that we can really change the way folks think about moving in general in this country, uh, beyond, you know, iBuying, far beyond iBuying. So the problem that we're trying to solve is 5 million people in this country and buy and sell a home every year. 5 million people do that. But the process of buying and selling a home is extremely complex, it's stressful, is time consuming. Um, and in fact, if you were to survey and ask folks who have moved how their experience was, it, it, they use words like it is an emotional roller coaster, it was extremely painful, <laughs> it's opaque, it's stressful, it's all the bad things, right? And it's crazy if you think about it, this is the most significant financial transaction that most people would do in their lives, but the experience is so backwards. And so we wanted to solve this problem and we want to take this really complex process and simplify it uh, and make it on demand for customers. And so the way we do it is to build a digital platform um, to enable people to buy and sell with a few taps of a button, right? And we started that on the seller side, right? if you want to sell your home directly, um, you can just sell it to us. And you can skip months of hassle and stress. You don't have to go through 90 days of uncertainty. You don't have to suffer from not really knowing when and for how much you can sell your home for. You have that amount. You have that degree of certainty immediately at your fingertips. That's what we started with. But you know, over the last um, year and a half, we've also launched a lot of things on the buyer side, uh, like open door backed offers that gives people the ability to place and offer all cash on a house. Um, And we've also brought the two together with Open Door Complete, right? Because most movers aren't just selling or buying. In fact, most movers are trying to do both at once. And so again, like our ambition and our vision is how do we get to a world where people can move seamlessly, that people are not so fearful of, man, I have to navigate this craziness to sell and buy the most significant financial asset in my life. And I think if we can change that behavior and change that mindset, then I think we'll see more geographic mobility and more options for financial freedom for people. And that's the really exciting piece is what if people are, are just more empowered to do what they think is right for their lives and for their families. Uh, and so that's really what we're after at Open Door.
0: And this might be just such a basic question. Why do you so passionately care about this? <laughs> It's um,
1: it's so my background actually a bit of, about me you know I'm a data scientist by training I'm like a huge nerd <laughs> through and through from <laughs> um, you know middle school high school college and so forth I thought I was going to be a professor at one point um, so that kind of uh, shows you how how kind of academic I am but um, to me what has been really important is how do I create impact right and so not only do I want to do something that's like interesting but how do I drive the most impact I can given the skills that I have. Mm. And so one framework I have is, what is the dollar weighted pain that people go through in their lives? <laughs> it's kind of a weird kind of framework, but what you will see is um, people spend, consumers spend a vast majority of a vast, uh, a majority of their spending is spent on housing related items. And the, the move itself is extremely expensive. And so you want, if you wanna make a big impact in the world, start off by asking what are the most meaningful transactions that people do? And if you can streamline that, um, you know, that has tremendous impact in people's lives. And that, that's what gets me excited.
0: I, I can appreciate that. And I, I, um, I don't know if you ever watch what is the show called? I think it's called alone. There's a show called alone. It's where mm-hmm. people go and they, they, they drop off like 20, you know, competitors and they're all in like different in Victoria Island or, or like up in, you know, British Columbia and they all have to live by themselves. And basically the last one remaining wins. But one of them was talking about, you know, the survival strategy there. And they boil it down. And this is like one of the things I, I think what you're hitting on is like the you know, first thing we look for is we need to breathe. Once we can breathe, we look for water. Once we have water, we look for food. And after that, what's the next thing? Shelter. And I mean you're you're hitting on it. And if this is the biggest thing in people's lives, if this is the most and one of the most foundational to just our human existence then yeah, why, should, why shouldn't that be a great experience or why shouldn't that be a more seamless experience? Yeah,
1: and, and to build on that, one of the experiences I had before Open Door was I was an early engineer at Square, and now it's called Block, but it's the payment processing company. And one of the neat things that I observed at Square was, if you make something simpler, more immediate, more accessible, more people would do it, right? So you give people the white readers, more people can accept payments. Right, you get you allow people to use credit cards as opposed to cash, more people are able to pay for goods. If you give people more, if you make the transaction more accessible, right, giving people the ability to sell on their timeline or buy with greater certainty and power, I think you will see more people uh, move. Right. So I think one of the if you know, if I may I want to dive into like one of the one of the moments that made the most impact on me, you know, as much as I'm trying to make an impact in, on our customers' lives oftentimes it's the other way, right? Your customers influence you in ways you don't even expect. And so, you know, one of the examples is a customer who I visited and was talking to, you know, he really was caring about making sure that his son doesn't have to have missed school uh, while he was trying to move from uh, Dallas or from, yeah, Dallas, Fort Worth uh, to back home, his home state of Alabama. And it was very important to him that his son doesn't, you know, have a disruption in his school year. And I remember he was just so thankful that Open Door was able to facilitate the timeline for his family so he can go back to take care of his, um, you know, mother who had some, uh, you know, health issues while not causing a big disruption in his son's life. And these are the types of things that, you know, I think is emblematic of the issues that exist in the, in the industry today when consumers don't have the ability to move on their timeline. And have those um, abilities that you would expect for any given for any given other transaction, other than real estate. So, so that's what really motivates me.
0: I, I love it. Let Let's kind of transition here a little bit into the tech. Obviously, the, there's a a good portion of the business for you guys is being able to accurately price homes and understand values of homes. But to some degree, it's got to be a little bit of a crystal ball inside. Uh, you know, under the hood, right, that helps forecast or at least gives you guys the confidence to accurately forecast pricing. I, if you could like talk through a little bit about the the tech that really powers that makes Open Door actually possible to run what it, you know, to do, to do what it does and maybe even uh, jump into what people may not understand because I think the headlines everyone reads is housing algorithms. Can't seem to price homes. I think that's the headline right now that has been popularized. So I'd love for you to you know go ahead and, and share a little bit more, actually, in the details of what it is that makes Open Door be able to do what it does, and maybe with some things that people may not know about the actual tech.
1: Yeah. So working backwards from what our uh, what we want the product experience to be, we want it to be seamless. We want the ability for sellers and buyers to be able to access, uh, you know, for sellers to be able to access the liquidity of their home at their fingertips whenever they want. We want for the buyers the ability to um, tour and get financing and be able to buy and move uh, on their own timeline. And so we have to, as a CTO, I'm very concerned with creating a set of capabilities to enable those product experiences. Pricing gets a lot of attention because obviously that's a very innovative thing that we've done and it's very kind of at the forefront of the product. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. and you know, I'm happy to dive into some of the things that we're doing in pricing in a minute. But pricing is one broad area that we've had to really develop um, and pioneer the first end-to-end asset management system for residential real estate. Right, and we'll talk more about that. Um, then there's the operations and transaction platform. This is not a purely digital transaction. There are boots on the ground. Right, there are customer support, uh, customer associates um, that's centralized in our teams. Um, there are pricing associates. And so, and there are vendors and there's third party folks that we're working with. And so there are a lot of, um, a lot of work and thought goes behind how do you orchestrate that supply chain so that from a customer standpoint, it's all seamless, but on the back end, we're coordinating the work of thousands of people to deliver, you know, our services at scale nationally. So that's the operations and transaction platform. Then there's the customer experience platform. That's very uh, important. How do you navigate this offline online transaction seamlessly? And then finally, there are more things like how do you build a capital markets team? How do you make sure that we have the financial platform to be able to buy all these homes at scale? Um, and how do you have the security systems to make sure that, hey, this is you know, such an important financial transaction that we are placing the proper care uh, into the transaction so that our customers can trust us, right? There's a lot. But maybe, Nate, diving into the pricing bit just for a minute, um, it's not just an AVM. Right. Like a lot of people think, oh, you know, you just got to get the point estimate right. Really, what we're trying to build is an end to end asset management system. What that means is for our sell direct business, um, we are giving customers a competitive offer almost instantly. Um, And so we have to be able to not only uh, price a home well so that we know what the home is today. We have to have a sense of where that home, uh, the home value might be a few months from now, and we have to take that um, knowledge of um, and that sort of uncertainties and figure out how do we manage risk. And then once we hold up all these homes, we also have to figure out how do we resell these homes, right? And these problems are pretty nuanced because, you know, already creating the AVM is a pretty hard problem. And, uh, you know, there are many AVMs out there and, you know, there are, ver- there are various degrees of accuracy related to that, but forecasting. That's a whole different ballgame. The difference compared to traditional forecasting models is that we don't have to forecast like a macroeconomist do in terms of like three or five year time horizons. Like, that's a very hard problem. But we do have to have a pretty good idea of where prices might be in the next call, it, three, six, maybe even nine months. It's a very different time horizon, and that requires a different set of techniques. Um, and then on the resale side, that's different too. You know, like, how do you optimally? resell a house. You know, that's not something that's been really studied before. Um, so those are just some examples of innovations that we've have, we've had to do on the pricing side. So yeah, I'll pause there. You know, does that kind of framework make sense? I,
0: I, I thank you for breaking it down that way, because I think that the, even the, the piece of like asset management and figuring out how you guys are going to manage the, the financials in the back end, that doesn't seem to catch the the headlines very frequently. So, uh, you know, I want to I make sure that you have opportunity to, to speak through all that.
1: Yeah, so pricing gets a lot of attention, but, you know, even on the operation side, it's incredibly, incredibly important that we obsess over the details there um, because at the end of the day, it's all a closed loop system. So what I mean by that is, for instance, we have to let our um, um, folks who are uh, inspecting the home to kind of figure out the work orders Uh, know which homes they should be uh, working on for any given day. Um, you know, when, when an inspection happens we actually generate work orders and those work orders are instantaneously uploaded to our vendor portal where vendors, third-party vendors can see those work orders and start submitting their bids to, you know, to, uh, capture those work for, for that work. Um, and so really in each of the markets that we enter, there's a local economy that we're creating. Um, which is really neat um, all the way down to uh, what are the tools that folks use when they're maintaining our home um, you know so there's a level of tooling and platform work that's required at the orchestration level like who's doing what today to creating this local marketplace between work that was being submitted and vendors are taking and thing on the work all the way to the tools that the vendors and for and our own staff might be using as they're entering the home and doing the work so that's a lot of details that we've had to pay uh, over quite a few years.
0: I, I can imagine. Uh, and and uh, I, I won't go uh, get us too uh, down to those weeds. I want to keep us yeah. moving here. You mentioned about uh, different markets. So we'll kind of zoom out a little bit here. Actually, you know, kind of broadly, how many markets are you guys currently operating in? And what is the growth of that look like for this year?
1: Yeah, so we just announced our 45th market which is the San Francisco Bay Area, um, which is a really exciting market for us to be in.
0: Yeah, that'll uh, certainly a different price point than say like uh, uh, some of the markets in Arizona, I suppose.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when we started the business, it's funny, we founded the company in San Francisco, we were joking like, oh, when will we ever be in SF? Like it's such a crazy market uh, in the Bay Area. And we started in Phoenix, um, partly to minimize um, the upfront work needed to build the pricing model, Pricing homes are simpler in Phoenix compared to, say, San Francisco. Um, and it allowed us to focus on things like product market fit of the of Open Door and some of the operational playbooks and all the other things that you have to get right when you launch a business. Um, but over time, as we expanded to from Phoenix to Dallas to Vegas to Atlanta, we've started to really build a much stronger foundation of data collection, um, modeling, uh, close loop with operations so that we can do better and better and more comprehensive pricing for each of the markets. So even within a place like Phoenix, when we first started, we weren't really able to buy the majority of homes in that market. But over time, we were able to expand our buy box. We've been able to go to gated communities. We've been able to go to condos. We've been able to expand our um, price points. And, you know, when we went to Atlanta, man, basements in Atlanta is a big problem. The the data availability. Yeah, it's. It's, um, it's funny, kind of the idiosyncrasies of the different markets. Um, like basement data are, is just kind of hard to come by uh, in, in Atlanta. And it's important to I, you know? I didn't realize that. I yeah. mean, I'd be in the yeah. East
0: Coast, you know, basements uh, you know, outside of Philly. I mean, old Pennsylvania houses are just dungy, you know, stone, sometimes even dirt floor yet. That's not uncommon. And uh, I just moved to South Dakota and it's my first time learning about Radon. And yeah. so Radon would be a whole nother thing that, you know, you'd have to, to, to add in. So, you know, those differences between markets, I imagine makes it difficult for you guys just to kind of move from one to the next and open up. Um, but I, I am curious is, you know, other than the on the ground logistics, is there anything else limiting at the moment your ability to just open up broadly and go to even more markets, or is it a matter of waiting for the right amount of demand in a market to be able to say, Hey, we're going to, this city, we're now going to start working in this city.
1: It's really about, um, you know, our capabilities, um, in terms of being able to scale from our operational playbook in terms of being able to train, get the data necessary to be able to train our models and operate well. Um, and at this point, we have a pretty good playbook, um, and we've, set, for instance, we've um, figured out how to aggregate critical data. We've figured out how to centralize everything that doesn't have to touch a home into, you know, centralized locations where we have staffing and uh, tooling supports. Um, we've invested a lot in systems to power our operations team uh, nationwide. So at this point, um, you know, it's really about uh, making sure that. We have our ducks in a row so that when we launch a market, we're able to serve the customers well there. And fundamentally, um, what we found is consumers crave what we offer, which is certainty, simplicity, and speed. Like These are universal attributes that anyone in this country would want, any homeowner in this country would want, any buyer in this country would want. So it's really a matter of making sure that we can deliver a great experience at a great price point. Um, for these customers as we're launching the different markets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um obviously the, so, so there's some things in in the current um I guess uh, market conditions have adjusted people's businesses. Uh, you know, co- you know, obviously COVID has really changed a lot of things. And I think for some, you know, in some businesses it's it's actually ramped up adoption. Have you seen an increase of Uh, People being more willing and interested in giving uh, some of your uh, product offerings, you know, uh, a fair shake as a result of the current pandemic situation.
1: Yeah, anecdotally, and I don't have the hard data on this, but anecdotally, I've seen more cross-state movers. I've seen more migration happening because, you know, now folks can work, a lot of folks can work remotely. Um, So there's a lot of movement happening. Um, and the macro environment is that supply is super low, but demand remains very strong. And so having say our sell directs offer in your back pocket, it's really important because you want to know exactly how much you can uh, how much you can place on the down payment. Um, alternatively, obo, open door backed offers, um, allows buyers to buy homes all cash. And that's an incredible advantage to have in this market as well. So we've seen a lot of adoption because of those macro reasons. But in, even within the products, for instance, you know, before COVID, before the offers finalized, we needed to send an inspector in. Um, now, actually, during COVID, we've had to virtualize that, right? Because we couldn't actually figure out how to respect the health guidelines, um, you know, while sending someone in. So what we've done is something called a self-service virtual assessment. And so what we do is, you know, to finalize the offer, you can literally just do a video call with with one of our associates, or it can send in photos for us. And so the nice thing is all the the tools that we built before COVID, we basically allow, as opposed to like an infield operator to use that to inspect your home, we kind of have a desk operator looking at the same tool set, walking through what the information we need Uh, to gather with the customer while we're on the same call, right? So we've seen uh, much more adoption of those types of virtual experiences. Um, And the last thing is, yeah, we're also seeing buyers crave the ability to tour homes on their timeline using our touring capability. So we're definitely seeing a macro shift um, in people adopting virtual product suites because, you know, um, it's much more convenient. And uh, the pandemic has certainly accelerated that.
0: Kind of shifting a little bit, uh, touch on a little bit of like industry uh, news here, or I guess happenings, if you will. So, some I I think that some in the industry, and and particularly maybe on the real estate agent side, may see, you know, companies who are willing to buy and sell, uh, you know, instead of necessarily having an agent on the ground as a threat to their business, Uh, and maybe maybe not so friendly towards, you know, what you guys are building. Um, But I I am curious if you guys are, like if that's a a conscious thing that you're thinking about of how Open Door can be creating a product and service that both serves the consumer, but also is openly inviting and wanting to work with, say, your incumbent industry professionals.
1: Yeah, so um, ultimately we put customers at the center of everything we do, right? Like, And I think that's aligned with the vast majority of the agent community. Like ultimately, we're here in this industry to help people move, help people sell and buy homes, and um, you know discover what's right for them and help them in their next phase of life. Um, and so we view uh, agents as a partner in that in many cases. Um, so for instance, a lot of the incredible agents that we work with use Open Door as a offer in, in their back pocket uh, f- to help sellers who might want to use, uh, who might prefer something like Open Door sell direct. Um, And we actually have a way to make sure we compensate agents um, to make sure, you know, they're um, to recognize them for the work that they've done in that transaction. Um, When we um, enable customers to tour, you know, we actually partner with agents and we uh, employ agents in in that way, too. So, you know, we are embedded with the agent community. We think of them as partners um, because ultimately our goals are mutual. We want to help customers um, do, do what's best for them.
0: Yeah, I pre- appreciate you sharing that. Uh, okay, we'll take another pivot here. I wanna talk through about the transaction uh, speed. And I, I should have sent you a Twitter thread I, I did about about this uh, some time ago, uh, proposing the idea that, and this is just me thinking high level, maybe speeding up the transaction isn't always best. I don't know that it is or isn't, but obviously being able to either leverage a power buyer or sell to an iBuyer, that can increase the speed of the transaction and you know if we look at the number of transactions that occurred last year in residential real estate it was up it was actually up a little bit I think it ended like trailing 12 months in December it was like six million or something like that um so do, do you think though that uh, we will continue to see or if there there, there may be a, a continual increase of the speed to transaction will that speed to of transactions increase the number of deals and what do you think the effect of price or the effect to price will be with the increased, if there is such an increase to speed of transaction?
1: Yeah. So I think there are, there are two parts to that question, right? Like, you know, what's the impact to, uh, you know, what is the impact that speed will have on volume and how will that translate to price, right? Um, look, I, I think customers crave liquidity customers crave certainty um and our job is to you know help customers realize that speed certainty and simplicity that's what they want and we've created products to help them achieve that goal um it's a real need and so um, again kind of via the analogy i had earlier whenever you reduce the friction of a transaction, you enable more people to partake in that transaction. And to me, like speed is one aspect, it's more importantly about certainty and knowing and, and being able to t- say, time your move according to, you know, what you need. So you can avoid things like a double move, right? Or in the case of the example that I gave earlier, they want to time it to coincide with the changing of a school calendar, right? So, so I think, the net effect of that is that movers will be more empowered to make the right choices for them in their lives uh, and and many cases that means being able to move more easily uh, and more readily whatever that you know whatever that might be um, will that translate to more speed uh, maybe probably um, i think again whenever you reduce the friction of a transaction you'll see more of it and so i i th- you know, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that there will be more transactions as a result. And so in many ways, um, you know, it will make the industry even, um, you know, more exciting because people are more mobile. Right? And that's really one of the dreams of open Door is increase geographic mobility, uh, increase the dynamism that people have in this country. Now, how that would impact price is a very difficult question because, um, you know, I, I think... Whenever you do some friction, you can enable, um, better price discovery, more efficient markets, but does that mean a, a more efficient market will turn, will point to a price point that's higher or lower? I don't know. That's a very hard, uh, question to answer. It's tough to speculate.
0: Yeah. I I don't have the you know I I don't have the crystal balls. I was kind of hoping that you <laughs> you might have some of those crystal balls here. <laughs> well, I'm always yeah. fishing, you know, like hey, who's got that? But uh, you know, but uh, I I appreciate you going into that, and it's something that I I, I personally think about a lot because I, also my you know one of my interests for the industry and passion for it is just what's going to be best for the consumer first. Um, so you know, I, I tend to also believe accessibility and reduced friction not only represent business opportunities, but they represent a better experience. Yeah,
1: uh, and and on the cost side, look, you know, when we started the company, our fees were a lot higher than they are today. And so, as companies like Open Door get more efficient and there are more options, like the the goal is to continuously make this a cheaper and more accessible uh, option for customers. So, you know, the hope is long run, this will be, again, not just like more immediate, faster, you know, but cheaper. Uh, and more accessible.
0: Yeah. All right. This is a new segment I've added. I don't know if we'll do this every interview, but uh, Twitter had a lot of questions and I apologize for all. I hope you don't have push notifications turned on because uh, I I think I got a little bit more uh, engagement than I thought. So what we did was we posted on Twitter uh, what people wanted to know from you. And I've took, I've taken a few of those questions uh, and added them in here. So we'll kind of do this almost, uh, we'll, we'll fire through these here. They, they kind of jump all over the pace. Uh, the first one uh, from a good industry friend here, Hitton Sam Tanny from he's publisher, and editorial director at The Real Deal New York, asks, "What is the next iteration from a product standpoint? You know, rather than just an investment point of your partnership with major home builders?"
1: Yeah. So just to maybe level set, you know, the first chapter between Open Door and uh, major home builders was Opendoor was a way for open home builder referred customers to eliminate contingency right so if i want the home builder to build me say i'm the customer a home well that might be contingent on me being able to sell my on my existing home and so open door is able to step in and say hey i can underwrite that home like here's the offer that open door would give me and so the home builder will have confidence that i'll be able to sell that home right so the f- the first chapter was working with home builder referred customers to eliminate contingency for that customer, right? So no double move, win for the customer, win for the builder, win for us. The next um, iteration will be much more integrated. And so it's kind of like open door complete and that we're bringing the buy and sell together. And so we're gonna have a dedicated hub for consumers and a dashboard for builder partners. Uh, and so we're also looking to build, to bring new build buyers to our partner builders. Uh, to, to our home builders. So that's uh, one of the things that we're focused on right now.
0: All right. Next one, totally different, uh, area here. Is there a future where open door will hold manage and rent the properties it purchases?
1: Yeah. So there's a huge opportunity to serve, uh, our customers in this aspect, but that's, that's not something we're focused on, uh, at this exact moment. Uh,
0: and I can understand why people would ask that question uh, and what, you know, admittedly, when you were talking earlier about your behind-the-scenes management technology and what you guys have built, my first thought was like, well, shoot, that sounds like what major property management companies would have to do as well. Uh, but I, if it's not the focus, totally understood at this point, but uh, I could see where that would also be maybe far in the, in, in the distance.
1: Yeah, you know, internally we model our, a lot of our capabilities to be modular. So, for instance, um, we're able to renovate, not like huge renovations, but we're able to handle a lot of different jobs uh, at scale. Like we're doing a lot of small construction jobs across this country at any given point in time. And we built it in a way that um, it's kind of agnostic to Open Door being kind of the consumer of those services. So, you know, we've built it again, like so that it's modular and, and kind of plug and playable. And so it does open up a lot of different opportunities for us in the future. But uh, right now, kind of the whole managed rents side of the house where it's not something that we're focused on uh, in this moment.
0: So there's a lot of speculation. And this one I had to do a little bit of rewording with. Um, there's a lot of speculation though, that an iBuyer model can't succeed if a market, you know, the real estate market turns downward. Um, how do you respond to those who say that open door can't win as a business in a down economy?
1: It's funny when we first started the company, um, folks were like, open door would never work in an up economy. Why would people want uh, to get an offer from open door if everything's up to, and to the right? like I can just list it on the market. Well, like consumers will crave liquidity and in fact in an up market, it's you want to have a back, an offer in your back pocket. And so it's funny because we designed open door to work across all the different markets, up, down, maintain, um, our belief. And we've seen this, um, you know, cause not all markets are always up and to the right, you know, we've been around for eight years. There are definitely, um, dynamics of submarkets and so on and so forth that we've observed. Um, and so during the slowdown, right. During a down market, uh, it becomes more painful to sell a house. Right. And so that impacts mobility for homeowners and it increases um, the need for reliable home sales through a product like open door right again like down market more volatility more uncertainty and the value that we are bringing to the customer increases because we do deliver certainty Um, and so the the customer need is there then the business question is um, can you manage risk Properly in that area, and this is where our investments in pricing, and machine learning, and forecasting, and all that really comes into play. Because, you know, really we have that's the key part. And by the way, now that we're in 45 markets and counting, that national footprint becomes really strategic because it increases diversification, it decreases our risk. Um, You know, markets move at different pace, and so even in the last, uh, you know, the GFC Great Financial uh, Crisis of 07 through 09. Um, the worst national nationwide decline over 90 day period was 3%, right? So, you know, from a business standpoint, from a product standpoint, consumers will crave liquidity. We're going to be there, uh, in times of most need for customers. And from a business standpoint, um, scale and our, and our investment in pricing, um, I think will serve us very well.
0: All right. Okay. We're going to transition to my favorite segment of the show. Uh, Ian, this is what I call for the future. It's when I get to ask each guest who comes in the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Ian, are you ready to play? Let's do it. All right. Question number one, what does Open Door look like one year from now?
1: So Open Door a year from now, what you will see is uh, more scale, um, and you will see new products experiences. And so we'll continue to focus on our digital first products um, and experiences, and so you know, on the scale front, you'll see more, more markets, you'll see more customers. And behind the scenes, like what, what we talked about, um, a lot of work goes be behind, how, how do we deliver a more flawless transaction? How do we expand a set of homes that we're able to transact with confidence? Or right? how do we ensure that our marketing engine is gonna be able to meet customers where they are? Like there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, behind scale. And then, in terms of new product experiences, you know, I, I can't exactly share what's coming down the pike. You know, I think you you asked about one of the things that we're kind of experimenting with with Open Door Max, um, but I think again, with the incredible capabilities that we've built over time, like there are some things down the pike I can't share them quite yet that I think is going to really delight a lot of movers. It's going to give them uh, incredible superpowers that they'll really love.
0: I'm gonna comment real quickly on the use of the word delight. Um, because there is, there is such a um. That is such a special word, to use when referring to customers. There is good experience. There is positive ratings and reviews. But delight, is 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 a whole other level. And I just want to express my appreciation there. It's something that I've always talked to my marketing teams about uh, of aiming to deliver delight. So I, I just, I wanted to call that out. Um, not going down that rabbit hole here, but all right. Question number two, here, here's a good one for you. What year is it when greater than 10% of all residential real estate transactions are with an iBuyer?
1: Right now we're uh, less than a percent, right? So we've been at it for eight years. Having said that, um, customers really love what we do. Um, yeah. So... I'm going to guess within 10 years. <laughs>
0: um,
1: that's, that's my guess within 10 years.
0: And, and, and uh, to add on to that, you said customers love what you guys do. Recently, I saw that you guys had published your NPS uh, and this is like an ad hoc add-on here. MPS of 80. Yeah. What, what are you guys doing that is creating that level an MPS, and is that driving referral business?
1: we're increasingly seeing, um, you know, organic, which is really exciting, right? Cause we have, uh, net promoters, um, who have transacted with us, which is great. Um, but ultimately the products is just really resonance, the ability to get an offer at the right, at a, at a competitive price immediately, or, uh, being able to place an offer on a home, practically all cash. Like these are really, really compelling product offerings. And it then becomes, are we able to deliver on our product uh, promise, right? Like, are we able to give you a competitive offer? Are we able to um, take all that hassle away and all the logistics away? Um, are we able to actually help you close on your next home? And I think that coming back to delight and coming back to our investments across the capabilities, whenever we're able to do that, customers, not just aren't just delighted they love it because <laughs> these are life-changing moves for customers and we're able to help them fast forward and just completely take a shortcut over a really broken traditional process and so the, all, the feedback and actually one of the hurdles that we have to overcome is people you know even close customers sometimes say this is too good to be true <laughs> and what we really want to share with all the homeowners and folks who are looking to buy a home is no, it's not. Look at any other transaction that you do. Cars, clothes, hailing a ride, getting groceries. It's a few taps of a button. And homes should be no different. Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh,
0: that's what we do. So, Irvin, right back to For the Future. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away?
1: Yeah, one thing that, you know, as an engineer, I really want to, make a dent, but I think it is a little tricky to make a dent in, which is the fragmentation, the fragmentation of data, uh, and the lack of shared, uh, interoperability of data. Uh, It's very tough, right? Like the number of counterparties, uh, that one has to like encounter to complete a real estate transaction is a lot. It's like eight at least, um, and not only you know are there a lot of counterparts the amount of data that you have to share back and forth to complete a transaction is, is pretty gnarly um, and you know you talk we talked a bit about building AVMs right one of the biggest challenge of building an AVM is just getting a data set together and there isn't a good you know cohesive comprehensive real estate data store out there so um, I wish data was a little bit more standardized so that um, interoperability between parties would be easier. I wish data was just cleaner so that, you know, we don't have to, you know, we we can we don't have to, you know, bother our, our customers by asking them more questions than is necessary. Um, but I worry that the incentive structures in the industry doesn't motivate the alignment of data sources and the, and the interoperability of APIs. So um, it, might, it might take a while, but uh, hopefully one day we'll get there.
0: Every good challenge is worth, uh, worth the, the battle going after. Um, number four here, the final for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances?
1: It's kind of what our uh, mantra is, which is uh, home buyers and sellers will be able to buy, sell, and move at the top of a button. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, hailing a ride, getting groceries, doing most things in life now you can do with a few tasks of a button and moving, uh, buying and selling should be no different. So that's what we're, we're building towards.
0: Awesome. And we're going to move on to the last three. These are questions. So our listeners get to know you personally a little better. First one here. What are you reading? It's funny. These, I have a young daughter
1: at home. She's one. And so these days I'm reading all of Dr. Seuss's <laughs> Dr. Seuss books, um, a lot of Good Night Moon. But uh, honestly, I spent hours reading that every
0: week. There you go. You know what? That, if, if nothing else, it might spur some creativity because, uh, man, he was ahead of his time. Yeah, totally. Question number two, who are you learning from?
1: I learn a lot from my peers at work. I get to work with incredible engineers, uh, product folks, uh, business thinkers. And so I learn a lot from the people I, su- I surround myself with. Um, you know, the other person that I really draw uh, a lot of learning from or kind of set of folks, you know, I, I love, you know, this is again, kind of a geek in me. Um, I love listening to the technical keynote presentations. And so sometimes I just go on YouTube and like, Search for tentacle keynote. So I like you know, <laughs> uh, just just you know. Some people uh, you know binge on Netflix. I binge on YouTube on these like esoteric uh, you know YouTube conference videos.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, last one here. What inspires you?
1: Interesting question. Um, I'm a technologist at heart. I think technology has an incredible way of moving the efficient frontier forward. It makes us. It makes humanity. Uh, it allows humanity to make less um, severe trade-offs. And so what inspires me is the promise of technology to improve the human condition. Um, I mean, it sounds kind of deep, but you know, I really, really do believe it. I, and I think um, technology is one of the fundamental driving pro- forces behind history. And I'm just really glad that me and Open Door were able to provide um, capabilities and technologies Uh, for consumers and movers in this country so that they can make less severe trade-offs and, you know, as a result, hopefully improve their quality of life.
0: Ian, thank you for your time today. Uh, Thanks for, you know, those last few questions here, but also all the other questions. I know we we covered a a lot of ground uh, rather quickly, and I feel like almost in any one of those, I I feel like we could have pressed uh, a whole another. You know, hour out of this here, but obviously, you've got a young one there at home. I know you've got a a very busy schedule, and I greatly appreciate your time. Before we close out here, uh, for those who want to either get in touch or want to learn more about Open Door, what are the best ways to do that? Where do they go?
1: Uh, Come to OpenDoor.com. We have lots of information about the company, our product suites, all on our website. That's OpenDoor.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ihat. I-h-a-t. For those of you who are math geeks, you might get the reference. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, and finally, just as a quick PSA, if it's okay, we're hiring across the board. So um, come over to opendoor.com slash w slash careers. And uh, you know, if you're looking, uh, we're hiring.
0: Awesome, and I can confirm Ian does check his Twitter. He saw all of your questions before the show. So that's a great spot to, uh, at least get something out in front of him, but I appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe in a year or two, we'll check back in. Cause I want to hear more about some of the products that you guys have cooking up and what you guys have are setting to release here in the near future until then. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, happy to be back. Nate. Yeah. All right. We'll see you later. Cheers. Well, thanks for listening to the tech nest podcast you can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store you can also join the newsletter head over to technest.io or finledger.com newsletters to get all future episodes updates and more sent to you right into your inbox last but not least we appreciate your support please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store this helps other discover the podcast, and know that it's a great, worthy listen. We'll see you next week.